All right, guys, I am Dan Bro, along with my co-host, Matt Bruner, and welcome to the Real Estate Heroes podcast, the stories and lessons from real estate wholesalers, investors, and professionals who are changing lives and making an impact so that you can become the real estate hero. So just a quick reminder that this recording is an exclusive live event for our students only who have the opportunity to ask questions and get answers to their biggest questions. If you want to be one of those lucky few, head over to actiondanbro.com and schedule a call or sign up. So I would like to welcome Stephanie Betters, a great friend and mentor of mine. She is an absolute rock star. Uh, she runs an amazing wholesaling business down in Charlotte, North Carolina. They do new builds. Uh, she owns the best CRM out there, Left Main Salesforce. I've been using it for about eight months now. Um, she owns a marketing company. She does uh, surgeries or, or heart surgeries or brain surgeries, something really intense <laughs> that I don't even heart understand. <laughs> um, and I look up to her in so many ways. So uh, Stephanie, super grateful to have you on. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to meet everybody. Awesome. Um, so first question, um, how did you get started in real estate? Oh my goodness. Okay. So um, started back in 2007. Um, my husband and I um, met, in, met in undergrad in, in college and we got married right out of it. So I was super young when we got married. I was 21 and we had no money, um, nothing. And we, you know, actually he was watching some of those HGTV flipper shows. And it's like, oh yeah, you just buy a foreclosed house and then you just make money. That's how it works. So he somehow convinced me to buy this, you know, this disaster of a house that he found in like the newspaper and like the brokerage section or something. It sounds so old school. It was in 2007 and 19 and not 1950, I promise. But um, he, we went there, we looked at the house um, and decide, you know, he convinced me that like, this is a great idea. We're going to make money. It's going to be fine. And then you'll get the dream house. It wasn't quite what I pictured, but, um, we, we bought it and we lived in it and renovated it, um, and then flipped it and we sold it at the peak of the market. Like we, we got so lucky. We, this was in upstate New York at the time in Binghamton and we sold it in 2009. Yeah. In 2009, like literally right before the crash, the Q2 2009. And then, at that time, um, IBM was a big employer at in Binghamton, and it was we sold it. And then two weeks later, IBM fired everybody. So that's really when it crashed in that market. So we got really lucky. We made good money. Went to grad school, and then decided, you know, we were in Long Island for for grad school, and we were trying to figure out what to do. Um, you know, from there, we didn't have any family in Long Island. We knew we wanted to to continue doing in real estate. Now I got the bug. Now I'm in. Um, but the deal was I never wanted to live in it again. Like I'll flip houses. I'm just like the sheetrock dust. I'm just not going to deal with it. And then at that point, we also had a daughter. So I'm not living through a house like that with a kid. No. So we chose Charlotte, North Carolina, specifically because of the real estate market. And the job market was pretty good. At this point now, I'm a nurse practitioner. He's a physician's assistant. The medical um, community here is pretty favorable for us as far as job market goes. So kind of checked all of our boxes. There's an international airport good. So we moved here. And a couple of years later, we bought our first rental. And then I really started feeling like, okay, we can, I think we can actually do this at a bigger level. My husband was always um, more gung ho. Like he, he like, he's like, yep, we're, we're going to do it. And I was the one who hesitated because I knew I was the one who had to figure out how. <laughs> so, you know, we had a bunch of little kids and, you know, we have three children. And I just wanted to get in the right place where we felt stable that we could launch a business because, 
like I said, I didn't want to live in it anymore. I wanted it to be a business. So um, we waited a couple of years, took a home equity line of credit out on our house for $20,000. And then we started marketing. We found our first deal on MLS besides our rental. Our rental, we found on MLS as well, but I'm kind of not counting that because we ended up buying that for like my mother-in-law and then she moved and there's drama there. So I'll just skip that one. That's a, an MLS deal. Our first like investor deal that we bought to flip was on MLS. And we also found a HUD home. Um, and we did both at the same time. They, but we got two accepted offers and we had to, we, had to, we had went yeah. right into the frying pan. Um, so we flipped one and we kept the other one for a rental. And then all the money that we made from our first flip, we took and you know reinvested it into the company, started marketing again, found another deal. And we kind of did that over and over again. We honestly didn't really truly start paying ourselves until probably like two years ago, three years ago. Nah, yeah, two years ago, maybe. It was a good five years where we just reinvested essentially everything um, back into the business and we, we lived off of our W-2 income. Um, and when we started paying ourselves about, well, I think it was three years ago now, my husband then quit his job as a physician assistant. I continued working as a nurse practitioner. And like you said, I do heart surgery. Um, so I continued working full-time up until two years ago, and then I started working part-time and then we, we launched all these other businesses, but, um, it sounds, it sounds a little overwhelming to say it all at once, but really it just, it's, it snowballed because we reinvested, you know, our, our, our capital back in and then just slowly stair stepped up and like, you'd be surprised how much you can accomplish after a couple of years of that consistency, you know, your deal volume goes up quite a bit, all the all the seeds that you planted in the very beginning from doing that, like start to bloom and then feels very stable and we're able to hire and, and, and build out that whole company, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, sounds like you went through quite a process and it, what, you know, didn't happen all at once. No, no. And so a, a few things. Um, so at one point you talked about, you just sort of knew you wanted to do it at a bigger level. Yeah. So how did you know that? because it made sense to me financially at that time, I, it may, I got how this would work, right? I, I got the logistics of it, you know, finding a distressed asset, getting some sweat equity and then reselling made sense after we had done it that, that one time ourselves. And when I thought about how we would do this without living in it, I started putting together essentially like a accountability chart. Okay. What, what does this look like from start to finish? And then what processes do I need from start to finish to get it there without me having to like live in the house and do everything? Like what help am I going to need? What resources am I, what systems? And then once I had that kind of framework in my brain, I felt comfortable leaping because I kind of had a plan. And that's, that's kind of how I work, you know? And my husband and I are a good mix in that way. He just is like, yes, this is a great idea. We're going to go. And I'm like, okay, well, how? And as soon as I understand how, then I can do it. And it's okay that I, I don't exactly know how to implement every single step. I kind of, but I knew the framework of what needed to get done. So I was like, okay, I, this makes sense now. I, I see what this is going to look like. We can do it. And, you know, then, then he's finally like, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> but he created a monster because now all of a sudden we're four <laughs> businesses later, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, so we're not, Matt and I aren't married, but um, we have a lot of that too, you know, uh, that that's that integrator visionary uh, relationship that is, is so key. You know, one person has the ideas, the other person figures out how do we actually make that happen? Right. And sometimes that can take a little bit of time and a certain comfort level 
and a certain trust, right? And I think that your your visionary integrator pair has to have a similar risk profile, right? Like there has to be some sort of risk tolerance between the two of them that match. I will. I think that always the integrator will be be a little more risk adverse than the visionary, but you still gotta have enough that you are compatible in that chemistry of when you're going to jump. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we all, uh, all of us visionaries, uh, we need uh, an integrator to help us pump the brakes every now and then. Exactly. Otherwise, I would probably have uh, 40 businesses by now. <laughs> right, exactly. But that visionary has got to be inspired enough to, to, and like believe in that enough and, ha and take the jump with you. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, one th another thing that you mentioned that I, I wanted to talk about, because a lot of our, our listeners and our students, um, they're still making that shift into full-time real estate. They still have full-time jobs um, or part-time jobs that they're relying on for that income. So what would you say is, how do you know when it's the right time to jump in full-time real estate? Oh, such a good question. I really think it depends on your goals for the company. Um, and it depends on you as a person, how much you love your job, right? Like, or, and how much you make at your job. For, for example, it would have been a lot easier for me to leave my full-time job if I made 20 grand a year, 30, 40 grand a year, you know, but I, I had a very high paying W2 salary and it really helped my business in the sense that it exposed me to private money lenders. I'm around high net worth individuals all the time. I love my job. I love being there and I love what I do. Right. And it actually like it helped my overall business because private money lending and I could fund deals a lot better. So I was able to get, you know, loans, right? Because I had W2 income. So it really, really depends. My husband, um, he got to a point. So he the reason why he left first uh, and essentially completely at this point, he does every once in a while. He'll, he's probably worked at the clinic four times this year. I mean, very, very minimally just to kind of keep his license. But um, why he was able to leave first is because he, the work hours were, he was working 16 hours a day, like getting home at 10 PM at night and could not continue to grow the business anymore. At that point, there came a point where it's like, we need you in the, in the business. Like you're when, when he's at clinic, he like literally could not come get away, get, get on the phone or contribute to the business. And I was running it and we were growing so we really needed him. So it came to a point of like, which one are we going to do? Do you, do you want to grow the company or do you want to continue practicing medicine? And he actually preferred real estate, mm. right? So then it was like, okay, well, I prefer this. I have more flexible hours. And if I don't do this, we're not going to get where I want to in the business. So, you know, he was able, he was able to leave. And because I had W2 income, I could kind of supplement that, that process as far as like loans. Right. And you know, private money and stuff like that. But then honestly, then it gets to a point, it's like, well, what do you like better? You know, and for me now where I, like, I still work part-time and I have a very hard time separating because I still really like it. So for me, what I, my goal is for my company and my companies is to get it to a point where I can continue to work part-time and oversee and passively own my companies, right? If I can get myself just in the CEO box or the or the owner's box, depending on which company it is, um, and that's all I'm doing. When I and I can invest five to ten hours a week in my companies, and I can work part time. Like that to me is what that's my goal, right? That's great. So if I can do that, then I'll continue to work part time. I but I will say as soon as 
I'm not able to be as flexible and take vacation the way I want to. Right now I can essentially do whatever I want. But if you start telling me I can't, then I'm probably gonna leave medicine, right? Cause I, wanna, I don't wanna give up my lifestyle, but for now the way it's set up, it supports my lifestyle. So all that to say, and that's kind of my scenario is that it really depends on how much it's, it's hindering your growth for your company and what your overall goal is. It's a very individual answer, but I, I, I think that there is a little bit of, um, I, don't know, I don't really know how to like, there's some like talk, I think in our industry, like hurry up and quit everything and like burn the boats and like jump all in. And maybe this is the integrator talking, but like, you don't have to do that either. Like that may not be the right answer for everybody and it's okay to, to like your job or to not quit it or to use the fruits of that job to help supplement your, your real estate growth. Like you don't have to like abandon everything in order to be successful in real estate. You know, so I, I hope, hopefully that, that kind of like talk out there doesn't scare people because I feel like it's almost discouraging if you feel like you have to quit everything or else you will never be successful in real estate, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, to recap that a few things that I heard that I think stuck out to me, you know, relying on that network that you have while you're at that job, you know, yeah. you see there are people around you that you can probably help you out in one way or another while you're, you're still there. And then are, is what you're doing now, is that a bottleneck on growing your business? Is that going to prevent you? Is it stopping you from taking it to that next level? And does it fit your lifestyle goals? Like some people might always want that security. People have different risk profiles. Some people might love their job and want to stay there while they're building that business on the side. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree. It's totally a personal choice. It's different for everybody. And everyone's end vision looks completely different. Exactly, exactly. And you know what, honestly, because it wasn't an option, especially in the beginning to just quit uh, working in our W2 jobs, it actually forced us to hire, right? Because it wasn't on the table at first. It was like, I'm not leaving the hospital. So I have to hire a lead manager because I can't answer the phone, right? I cannot humanly answer the phone. And that's in, when I'm in the operating room. So I have to hire somebody. So it actually helped me hire because I couldn't, like I had non-negotiables, right? It could not be me who does it. So I had to hire somebody else. And that was really freeing because then I felt like, oh, I, I really can do two things because I can hire. I don't have to do it myself. So, you know, I think, I think your situation can be a blessing too, even if it does seems like it's going to be an obstacle. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, I totally agree. I mean, that it's sort of uh, like forced growth is, is what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or like, so Stephanie, if you were in the position where you were like a physician, or I can't even say that word, but like a high paying like W2 job, um, like what would you do if you like restarted? So you had a minimum, not minimum wage, but like a medium income job, like what would you do if you restarted your wholesaling business like today? I mean, I'm, I make a lot of decisions based on passion. Um, so if I was not passionate about my job, then I would find a different passion. Like I would find my passion, right? So I would leave for sure. But I think that's the, at, at, at this point, that's the primary reason why I still do what I do W2 is because I, I love it, right? So it meets that like passion criteria for me when I make that, when I keep make that decision. So um, yeah, if I'm not, if I don't like my corporate job, right? Then I'm out. 
Cause I just, that's my personal philosophy. You should be chasing your passion all the time. So, um, that would be a lot easier to leave for sure. If it was, if, especially if I wasn't making a lot of money and I didn't like it, you know? Yeah. So like if your passion was wholesaling real estate and you wanted to start a wholesaling business, like what would be your first three steps? If I, and I, and I had a job, I would start, I would start analyzing deals. So, and that, and that's what we did too. Like try to figure out what it is that it's going to take to do a deal. So the first thing for us that we did was we, we analyzed hundred properties at least. I mean, we, we like combed over Zillow. We combed over the MLS. We, we tried to like find a house that was a, you know, an investor special and try to figure out like, okay, what do you think that would be worth? And we tried to comp it and like based on the, you know, houses that, that were fixed up around there. And then we'd kind of come up with like, what should we offer for this property? If we use our like rules of 70% minus repairs, cause that's what bigger pocket said to do, you know? So we did that. We tried to like guess, right. Okay. Based on this, I think we're going to pay this. And then we would stock that house and we would see it sell in a couple months and the public record would update and we saw what it was sold for and who bought it. And we're like, Oh, Okay. So we were right. Or we were way off. Why were we wrong? Or who is this person? And so I think getting in that, getting in the habit of analyzing deals is really helpful because then you have some confidence when that deal is confronted with you. So now all of a sudden you're across the table with a homeowner, right? You've done some marketing, you've knocked on doors, you've maybe had a referral, you know, something happened, or maybe even like you have like a pocket listing from an agent or a friend who's considering like deals will come to you once you start. It's like when you get married, you see wedding rings. Like once you start looking for stuff, you will see it. Like, so the deal will come and it'll happen where you're in front of a homeowner and you have to be able to be confident and make an offer or they're not going to trust you in buying their house. Right. So Step one is get comfortable analyzing a deal. And then step two is, tr is talk about it and like find a way to get in front of a homeowner. And there's a lot of different ways that you can do that and lots of different marketing channels that you can try either to pay for or that you can do for free. I did one, one thing I did actually, um, one of the houses that um, we were analyzing, it was like in this, you know, a transitional type neighborhood, it was on MLS and it sold. So we were kind of watching that house. I went and like looked up every single homeowner on that street and I wrote them a card, like a stupid little card. Hey, this is, you know, Stephanie and my husband and I are looking for a house in this neighborhood. And I literally hand wrote, I think like 30 cards. It wasn't that many. I got like four phone calls off that, you know, like it doesn't take too much um, to, to start getting in front of homeowners, but you just got to, you know, do something and then get, get out there and like rip the bandaid off and like go talk to people, you know? Yeah, that's so key. Just, you know, we can we can plan, we can research as much as we want. We're never going to be 100% ready. Right. Uh, it's never, that time is never going to come. Um, there's always going to be things that come up that we don't expect. And that's life. You just have to adjust on the fly. I've got to at least be at a thousand houses by now. I probably should just pull my numbers, but we must have at least bought a thousand houses by now. And I still hesitate with what I should offer on a property. Cause it's like, everyone's different and you're like, oh, darn it. Right. And you're never going to feel a hundred percent confident ever, but you got to just at least get in the habit of like getting in the lingo, getting in the, like, you know, getting in the groove of looking at stuff, but yeah, do not seek a hundred percent certainty because you'll never get it. Yeah. And, and even sometimes early on, like uh, a lot of the, what people say for flips is the first one, it's not even about making money. Right. It's about just learning. It's about the experience, just about starting. Right. And so like not even focusing on trying to earn so much money on those first few. It's just like, let's let's just get this going. 
hundred percent. If you break even on your first flip, you are massively winning. Absolutely. And that's, I think a lot of people miss that because they see, you know, all these gurus and people on Instagram staying in front of their Lamborghinis and their mansions. And and they think that that's how it's supposed to be after six months. Uh, But this stuff, just like anything, it's a business. It takes time. It does. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Um, So you're, you're doing so much. Uh, So where's your focus right now? Most of my focus right now is with was with Left Main REI, our our software company. At this point, my marketing company is I spend maybe an hour a week running that. There, it's fully hired. I have a COO there, and it's doing fantastic. It's a Facebook marketing company. We run Facebook ads for motivated sellers. And so that was a that was a big staple in our and it still is in our real estate investment companies. That was kind of like a sister company that spun off, and then my investment company, Better Path Homes. It also hired out. Um, we have 15 employees there, a COO, CFO. We have an executive team, um, and I'm in the owner's box there. I was the COO of that company until 2019, and then we hired we hired out our COO. I trained him for essentially a year, and then I stepped out January 2020. Quite the wow. year to step out, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, we did have to have you know a couple emergency meetings in whatever it was, April, March, April, but. Um, but really, Matt is a COO there for me, another Matt, and uh, and he runs that company. And I, you know, I'm part of quarterly meetings and consulting. Everyone's uh, maybe a, an hour or two a week, maybe. So very passive. Um, those companies for me. So uh, Left Main REI is our the, our software company, the CRM for Salesforce, launched in um, February, end of January, early February, 2020, right after I retired from our investment company. Um, and we've are kind of organically grew that and it really started taking off in October last year. And we have been on a rocket ship. So that company's massively growing and we're doing a lot of cool things and that requires my day-to-day attention. So that is that is my full-time job right now. Um, we we hired our a COO there recently. So hopefully that will that will improve now quite a bit. We've hired that executive team out too. And it's funny because if you had asked me about this, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, I would have thought you were absolutely nuts. But once you get some of these business concepts together, it's extremely repeatable, you know, and then you, you have like, you, you get surrounded by opportunity and you can pick the things that you're passionate about and then go for it, you know? So we're going to hopefully follow the same type of trajectory here for left main, but anticipate it's going to take my attention for a few more years, at least to get it where I need to go. Cause we've got, we've got a lot of stuff we're doing. Yeah. Or like, so I love this story cause I totally like, I understand it, but like, why did you start left made? First of all, I started it because I was really upset about technology in our industry. Like it, <laughs> it literally came out of like complete absolute anger and like <laughs> white hot rage <laughs> like i'm just not even gonna like lie i was so mad this, this so i mean this is when i was the coo and we um this was in 2018 um you know we were going through this you know we we're trying to grow we're trying to scale we're doing more and more business i mean you know we're, at this point i'm running like a multi-million dollar company and i have like a shitty excuse my french crm that kept breaking you know, like it wasn't reliable thing. People would document stuff and it would lose and we would like lose that information. Um, 
you know, people constantly say it's glitchy. I didn't have access to data. Like, I don't know what the heck is happening, right? Like how many leads did we get this month? And it's like, oh, well, if we subtract here and populate the spreadsheet. And it got to a point where I was paying two VAs to populate a spreadsheet and it was wrong. But that number doesn't make any sense. How did we make 30 offers if we had, you know, 10 new leads? Like what? you know, whatever. So, I mean, that's just a random example, but, but I don't know, we don't remember what the actual numbers were, but there was a time when like, I was looking at the spreadsheet and I was paying two people to maintain it and it was still wrong. And I was just like, I have had enough. My the CRM went down. So we were down for three days. Like I couldn't even log into my CRM to even get my data to even manually dial people because the CRM crashed. So I was like, this is at, like, I am not doing this anymore. And I just snapped. I'm like, what's the number one CRM in the, in like the world? That's what I'm buying. I don't even care anymore. What is it? You know? And so that's undisputably Salesforce. So I went and like, okay, let me do a demo of Salesforce. What does this mean? And I did like seven discovery calls with all kinds of different Salesforce people. And, oh, what do you need? And what's your business use case? And all this mumbo jumbo. And I was super patient. I promise. I'm like, so nice. <laughs> we get to the seventh call. And this is when they like pitch you what it's going to cost, right? Because you have to, of course, build this thing. And they quoted me for like basic framework stuff like, oh, you'll be able to log in and your users will be able to like see a lead it was $100,000. Oh, and by the way, it's going to take us six months to build it. And I was like, are you? And I like flip out on this like live Zoom call. I was like, what? And I thought it, I knew it was going to be expensive. And I think I was prepared to spend like 20 or $30,000 and have it like solve my problems, but like a hundred and that's phase one. And it's going to take six months. I'm like, Oh my God, this thing's going to cost me half a million dollars. Like I can't afford that. Like that's insane. So I just like, I'm, like, I'm just going to build it myself. And then everybody on that zoom call laughed and they're like, okay, little girl, you go build your, you go code it yourself. So that made me really mad. So then I did, I just spend the next 200 probably straight hours coding uh, what I wanted to see on Salesforce. And, and then I launched it. So it took a couple months, um, launched it in my business in 2018. And uh, then they followed up with me about like three months after this call when I flipped out. God bless them. They still followed up with me. And, uh, and I said, oh, no, I already launched it and we're live. And by the way, it's like I did that in less than three months and it's final. And they're like, what? Let me see it. So then the, the Salesforce people, um, I, did, I did a demo with them and showed them what I built. And they said, um, oh yeah, well, let's, let's come and see it. Can I come visit you? And I was like, you're going to come to Charlotte? Okay, sure. So they came to Charlotte to meet me and to do a demo here and come to the office. And, and they said, you know, this is like, you want to make this an app? Do you think that like other people would want this? I think you should make this an app. There's, we have nothing for the real estate space. Like you should bring it to market. And I, I honestly had no, I mean, that was not even on the radar for me. Like I did not build it for that. I built it because I had an explicit need and I was furious. Um, and so they, they, they told me about this and I was like, okay, what does that mean? You know? And so we went through this whole process and um, then we launched it in January, 2020, where we had to, had to go through a security review and all this stuff. And we launched it and I was like, okay, well, couple, maybe some of my friends will use it, you know? And I told a couple of my friends that it launched and they're like, oh yeah, I want it. I want it too. And then they told people and then like this whole organic thing happened. And then it like erupted um, in last year, like the whole thing erupted, it was, it's amazing. And so it's it's cool because it it like fills this like passion need for me because I just, it was such a important problem for me to solve. And I'm so humbled to bring that to our industry. And, you know, I'm 
like our industry, like our technology is ridiculous. It's so bad, you know, like the CRMs that we were using before, it's just like, what are we doing? So, you know, it's, that's why I did it is because I felt I really had an opportunity here to help our industry, like as a whole, you know? So it's like, we're, when you have an opportunity to do that, you do that. Yeah, absolutely. So for, for those of us uh, that are listening and don't know, uh, what would you say are the main differences between left main and the majority of the other CRMs out there? Sure. So kind of starting with its base platform, it's built on Salesforce. So Salesforce itself is a massive, massive multi-billion dollar company with incredible service and incredible servers right? So it's a stable platform. This thing is built for companies that are doing, you know, they have a hundred thousand employees, right? Like this thing is not going to break, right? So number one, that was like the first pain point for me is like, this thing has got to be stable. It can't go down. So as, as a platform that we're building on, it's, it's essentially the best, like it doesn't get any better. So we're building on stable code And then we're building on a platform that will grow and accommodate growth. So we'll never outgrow it. Some of the other software programs, um, you know, and Podio has some ability to grow, but some of the other web-based programs are not built for scale. Hmm. They're not, they're not going to accommodate you at, you know, you know, 50 employees and, you know, $10 million worth of, you're just not going to, you're not, you're going to outgrow it. In fact, you probably outgrow it a lot faster because it can't handle the amount of data at a certain given point. Like it just can't grow over the years like that. And Podio, the more that you integrate with it, the more it crashes. And I know that from personal experience, the more you want to connect, the more you want to automate, the more you want to integrate, the less stable that becomes. And these other web-based platforms that are small have very, very limited, um, connectivity like they just don't have coding that you're able to like link up stuff to it's very difficult and clunky so the integration support and being able to get everything in one place is massive for me and I think it's massive for the users who use it as well so that's a huge advantage so stability able to integrate and bring everything onto one platform is big and then we have send we have um, your whole pipeline covered so it starts with with marketing all of your marketing metrics are there your leads, your lead management process, your sales process with your acquisitions and appointments and you know that, your transaction and dispositions, you can, it, it accommodates wholesaling deals via this platform with text messaging and emailing campaigns and linking everything to a transaction and monitoring those metrics. You know, so it's essentially A to Z with your entire business process on one platform. And because it does, it accommodates your entire business process, now you have really good data, right? Like now I could tell you where every little corner of my business is, where problems are, what's breaking, what, why didn't we hit our goal? I know exactly why. And it's in a very like clear way of like seeing that data. So I can like pull up my screen and I can tell you exactly, you know, where we are in my business, no matter where I am in the world. So there's really wonderful clarity. And for me, and if there are any integrators on that call, like I need data to make decisions, you know, like I need, I need information to know what I'm doing because I can go to a mastermind and I can listen to a guru, you know, and then they can tell me, oh yeah, you just got to send mail. Yeah. But then what if the phone doesn't ring or what if that didn't result in a deal? Well, why, why didn't it? Right. I've got to answer that so I can fix it. So I can, I can get deals. Right. So having that access to data is, is gigantic. So 
that's kind of like the quick and dirty um, differences. I think there's so many other cool things that it that it does too, but those are the major advantages compared to you know what else is out there right now. Yeah, I, I and this isn't uh, just tooting your horn or anything, but you know I, I've been on uh, Left Main I think de- late December um, of last year, and the the biggest things that stuck out to me were the visibility um, and the the clarity of the numbers. And when you don't know how well something is working or how many uh, uh, leads, how many offers, how many deals, when when the numbers get bigger, it's a lot harder to track this stuff. Mm -hmm. When you only have a few coming through a week, it's pretty easy to just do it on a spreadsheet. But when the numbers start getting bigger, everything gets a lot more complex. And so to be able to make confident decisions you need that clarity you need to know what's working and what's not otherwise you're just totally guessing and as the business gets bigger the numbers get bigger and each decision has a lot more weight to it and so for for us having that that data those reports those dashboards right at our fingertips that was huge for us a total game changer well, thank you. It makes me so happy. It makes my heart happy. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the reason why I needed to build it for us is that I just I needed I needed to be able to make decisions, and I just felt there was nothing to help support. Like the systems were not helping me. I felt like we were managing a system to help it, like even count our leads or like help us follow up with things, and then it would break, and we'd have to come up with like you know back ways to re-log it. It was just nuts. So, and it, and it happens quicker than you think, because as soon as you start marketing, you need some sort of system to manage those leads, right? Because the leads come in and you've just spent a lot of time or a lot of money to get that darn phone to ring. So you get 10 leads a week, you know, two months later, you're not going to remember who you need to follow up with, right? Like a spreadsheet is now going to collapse even 10 leads a week. Right. So you need to have a system because as soon as you start spending money on marketing or spending a lot of time, you need to make sure you're getting a return on that investment or else like you're just going to keep spinning your wheels and you're going to waste money or waste time even worse. You know, so having something to support you in, in monetizing that will make you successful faster and you'll also be able to make good decisions so that you know what what next to do, you know, like, oh, that worked, let me do this, or that didn't work, I'm gonna try this instead. And then you can evaluate what happened, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, or like, I just wanted to say, I feel like I know exactly what days you were talking about when Podio broke, yeah. um, because <laughs> right. every Facebook wholesaling group is just all about Podio those days. I know. Um, I like, I think I know exactly when you're talking about it. Yeah. Um, and then so like the integrator and me, yeah, yeah, 20, yeah. Um, or like, so the integrator in me wants to know, like, basically two things, like what integrations does Salesforce already have built in? And what can you customly add to it? And then also like, um, historically, salespeople are not the most detail oriented people. Yeah. Um, so what do you do to keep left main simple and organized and anything you can talk to about that? Yeah. Okay, so let's start with integrations first. The two major ones that it directly integrates with is phones and email. So those things are built in and you can choose. So you don't have to choose my phone platform. You can choose, 
you can choose a different one that that will integrate like call rail is a big question all the time um so call rail will integrate it doesn't embed inside of salesforce but it talks to each other with with zapier and call rail also has a direct integration with salesforce that makes it very easy we have our own integrated phone system that you can have and it just like clicks to dial and it does lots of really cool um, intelligent dialing and things like that um with like power dialing and dropping voicemails and things like that and then email is directly integrated in there too so you have your you know your g suites account or your outlook account you can use that directly in and then you can send you know you can send emails to homeowners directly from the system from your actual email address it doesn't have to be like this crazy one and then if they respond or actually if they open it you can actually see if they open the email which is really cool and when they opened it and then if they respond it automatically logs in salesforce and you get it to your inbox so like you can be out running around and you get like, you know, a phone, you get, you see somebody emails you on your phone and you respond from your phone, it'll update Salesforce automatically. So like the, the connections are really nice in that case. And if you have a team member who's following up with people, they can see, oh, they emailed Stephanie yesterday and said they wanted an appointment. Let me go ahead and make sure we, we scheduled it, you know? So there's nice clarity and communication between your team members. And as far as other integrations go, um, some really popular ones are like external triple line dialers like Mojo or Zencall, um, mass texting like uh, Batch, Lead Sherpa, Launch Control, all those will integrate. Um, Call Tools is another one that'll integrate if you use that as a phone platform. Um, your website will be directly integrated in there too. So if somebody fills out a form on your website, it'll drop it in immediately. And that's if you have a custom website or a carrot website, we can get that, we can get that done. Um, I'm trying to think what else are common ones. Um, I really like the DocuSign feature as well. DocuSign, uh, yeah, DocuSign. Yep, DocuSign directly from there. Yep, DocuSign is a really good, it directly integrates, so does HelloSign. HelloSign tends to be a little less expensive, so it's cheaper per user, depending on where, what kind of features you need from eSignature, but that's all in there. Um, what else, what else? We have a couple cool things coming out, which are really exciting. We have um, an Atom data integration. I think did, did I, I may have shown you, Dan. Did I, yeah. did I tease you? Okay, that's yeah. a, that's yeah. a, it's launching. It's like going, it's finalizing through beta testing and stuff. But Atom data, so show you like the homeowner's name, how much they owe on their mortgage, when they bought it, um, the estimated value of the house, which is AVM. And that is like automated value matrix. That's what hedge funds use to price homes and like as an offer pad and all the big people use to give you, to auto-generate an offer on a house. It's pretty darn accurate as an ARV, by the way. Like it is pretty freaking close. So it's helpful for me to use that tool with our acquisition reps, because one of the biggest things that we've struggled with is teaching people how to comp. And because like you guys know, like I said, a thousand houses later, I'm still like, oh God, what the hell is this house worth? You know. So that has helped a ton with, with um, us. We beta tested it first in my company and like everyone loved that. And it also gives you, uh, populates comps so it sh shows you what the value is, and then it shows you which comps it used to come up with that value. So that's the Atom data integration. And then we have a click to mail coming soon too. I don't know if I told you that yet, Dan, but like there's a whole click to mail platform coming in that'll be directly integrated in there. And the, the idea here is like get everything in one platform, you know, so you don't have to have a hodgepodge of different systems everywhere. Um, and then to your question about um, acquisition reps, Oh, we love them. We love them, but they're a difficult bird. Um, so a couple things is the user interface is very clean. Like there's not, it's not, it's not cluttered. Now you can add custom fields and things like that, but 
the way we deliver it is like very clean, straightforward. You got to do a couple things. You got to write your appointment notes and you've got to write your offer. You know, you can put, you can put negotiation notes too, but like you got to have your last offer made, right? So we have reports that are built out and we keep it on our home screen of how many offers were made that day or that week. And so everybody in the whole company can see which acquisition rep is making offers or not. And it's essentially like a little competition. It's like a donut and you can see how, what percentage of the donut you, you have, right? Like, are you winning? So we kind of gamify some of the stuff with acquisition reps and that keeps them, that keeps them on the ball because everyone can see it. And if they didn't document, it's not there. So they don't get credit for that offer that they made, you know? So having like that, that visibility and especially putting on the front page has helped a ton with getting compliance from our acquisition reps. And we can also run a report, which is another really helpful report that we can we put as part of your dashboards is to see which opportunities don't have a follow-up task and who owns that opportunity. So like, oh, Sam Smith over here doesn't have an opportunity, has seven you know, opportunities with no follow-up tasks. Everyone sees it. And, and by the way, they can just click and then just go put their follow-up task. So they don't have to go dig, they can see. So that's where that clarity comes in too. Like if you don't have to search, then you don't feel overwhelmed of like what you need to document. If it becomes very clear, then it's much easier to go in there and like do it, you know? Yeah, there's so many. So being a, a user myself of this, um, you can make it dummy proof, like to make it to where you can't go to the next step without entering in certain information. Like it forces you to do it. It will like not let you save it. Um, and so there's just that, that clarity that just forcing you to do things and it'll tell you what you messed up on. Um, so for, for people, uh, like myself, acquisition reps, um, we, we, that stuff is very helpful. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, so, uh, that stuff is super helpful, um, on all levels and, uh, another thing I love about it is, is it can be, you can get it right out of the box and, and just use it. Or if you want, you can customize the heck out of it. I mean, it, it's so powerful. Like you can do almost anything with it. Um, and so I've spent a ton of time um, playing with it and, and doing a whole lot of stuff, but uh, it's, it can be whatever you want it to be. That's, that's one of my favorite things. Yeah, Dan has spent a ton of time breaking it, and I have spent a ton of time fixing it. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. I love that it'll never outgrow you. You know, I mean, it's really exciting to put that out and like have somebody springboard. Because the whole idea with this is like, let's have a system for our businesses, right? Like, let's let's be real. Let's run this like a business. Here's a system. You can follow the system, and then now you can use this to springboard off of it, right? So I want. I love that people go in there and like try to add things and like customize it for them. And it just, I feel like it, that's what it's meant to do. It's meant to make you grow. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're talking to, you know, someone who's just starting out, um, what do you, what would you say are those few key metrics that are the most important numbers and metrics that they should be tracking? Oh my gosh, such a good question. Okay. So I'll, I'll start with what we first started tracking. And that was number of properties we looked at. And like that, it counted if we looked at them in person or if we did like a virtual analysis and we tried to hit 10 a day. Like I wanna look at 10 houses a day and just like see, right? Uh, And then it became how many leads we had where we actually talked to a new homeowner. 
And then it became how many offers we made and then how many deals. But for, for me, what we needed for an accountability piece was we just needed to hit the number of houses that we looked at and the number of homeowners that we talked to because I knew that it was just a numbers game. So I needed to set a rule for me that I'm like, okay, I know that if I do these action items, it's going to result in what I need in the end. And so that held me accountable on a daily basis. You need to have a daily goal that you need to hit. And especially when you're first starting, have no more than three and keep it like, when you write down your, your goal for the day, I want you to feel like, oh my gosh, that's so I can definitely do that. I don't want you to write down your goal for the day and be like, oh God, that's going to be really hard. I want it to feel like it's like a reasonable goal. And then you're just going to do it every single day. So I don't know where people are in their businesses right now, but if you are at least, you know, or have you, everyone here must have at least have experience looking at houses. So to have your daily number be how many offers you make or how many homeowners you talk to. Like, I think either, depending on where you're at, those, both those goals are really good. And you just need to know that if you talk to enough, you will get a deal. If you make enough offers, you will get a deal. So if you make an offer to somebody and like you blow it and you stutter and like you didn't know what to offer, like just, and you like hang up and you're like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Just know that like, okay, I'm one closer. Cause I know I need to like hit that next goal. Right. And on a personal note, I had, I had a little bit of like a fail safe too. Cause this was really scary for me. And Dan, you and I have talked about this before, but like my biggest obstacle always is fear always. Like I know no matter what level I'm at in my business, I what ceiling I hit first is my own fear. So when we started our company, um, one of the big, biggest things I wanted to prevent myself from doing is quitting because I was frustrated or because I was scared. So I literally printed out a chart of one to a hundred and I had to want to quit a hundred times before it was actually allowed for me to quit. And I don't mean like quit, like, oh, I'm done for the, like, this is stupid for the day. Like, I'm just, this is like legit, like, freaking breakdown level quit, right? Like I'm like, I can't handle it anymore. And I think I got to like 20 something, like before I stopped counting, like you're gonna want to quit. Like, so that was kind of my thing. I was like, I'm not allowed until I want I have like a hundred breakdowns. <laughs> then, I'm, then I'm allowed to quit. Then we say I tried or whatever. So that was another metric for me that was really good to track because I wanted to track to my weakness. You know what I mean? And so that kind of helped. And then, And then, you know, eventually I learned that like, I don't have to quit. It's going to like, I'll figure it out. You know, I don't think I've told many people that, but that's I, my, that's my feel safe. I appreciate you sharing. <laughs> I want to make you go deeper on that, but I don't, <laughs> but like, like what kept you going? Like when you were having those like 20 breakdowns or, you know, like what kept you going? Like what was I wasn't your motivation? Allowed. I, it, yeah. I was not allowed to quit. I, got, I had to get to hundred. That was a big, that was a big reason. Like I made a rule and I'm kind of a rule follower in that sense. It's like, I made a commitment and I'm going to keep my commitment that, and I have to want to quit a hundred times. And um, the, what else kept me going is that I really felt it was possible. Like, I really believe this is something that, that we can do and that me and my family can have. And, you know, there's a, there's a really great quote about courage. And it's like, sometimes like you just got to try again in the morning, you know, and, that, and that's kind of what I ended my day with when I had just like, and this, I still do this to this day. Like if you just get punched in the teeth 
and and you just had the worst day and like you have that feeling that you just want to quit you know then i that's what i tell myself i'm just gonna i'm just gonna try again in the morning you know and like it is impossible to beat that person like you like i i know that no one will beat me because i will always do that you know like i i'm not gonna give up i'm gonna start again in the morning and that's how this whole like thing came like i'm just gonna wake up and i'm gonna eat problems for breakfast like I'm just gonna do it. And if it becomes like a normal thing to do, it doesn't become so overwhelming, right? Cause you're like, I'm just gonna wake up. And I'm just gonna eat those problems. Like, I'm just gonna freaking do it. Whatever it is, I'm gonna wake up. I'm gonna try again in the morning and I'm just gonna do it. And if you kind of know that your day, especially as you grow is always gonna be faced with some sort of obstacles. Like it doesn't become so abnormal. Like you become almost conditioned to be like, okay, now what do we do? Instead of like, oh my God, ah, you're just like, okay, what do we got to do, right? How do we how do we get through it? What do we got to do for this time? And like, that's kind of where I got to like, I'm not giving up anymore. Like I've stopped, I've stopped counting how many times I wanted to quit because I really stopped wanting to quit because I ended up conditioning myself that like, I don't have to, like, I will figure it out, right? Like, and you have these little mantras you tell yourself, like, I'm going to eat problems for breakfast or like, if anyone's going to figure it out, it's going to be me. Like I'm, I know I like, you got to have that internal thing. You know, it, it becomes such a psychological journey. Like it is so much more psychological than it is even like informational. Like you will get the information you need, but like you need to surround yourself with people who understand that journey. Like you have to have people who you can, who can help normalize it for you. You know, like my mom would be like, Stephanie, you're trying, like, why didn't you go back to the hospital? Like, why don't do this is so hard. Look at you suffering, you know? And I'm like, oh, like then I will go down that path, you know? But if I'm around people who are like doing it and like can encourage me and like help me through that psychological part too, like that is like how you do it, you know? Like that, that you have to be able to control your, like your own mind and like your own vision of how you're going to see problems. And then you get through it, you know? You don't get through it alone, that's for sure. Gosh, that's that absolutely. I mean, when, when I was uh, going through one of my most difficult periods, I mean, I learned about the, the power of leaning on other people more than ever. And I mean, it it, it's it never changes, you're never going to get there by yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, No matter what phase you're in, Mm -hmm. uh, you're you're we all always need help. There's always another level, there's always problems that someone else can help with there's we always whether it's uh strategic or a tactical or an emotional support like we're always going to need that so um i'm really glad that you brought that up yeah no one likes to talk about the gushy stuff when uh-huh. you just don't want to get out of bed but like you know giving yourself those like little internal mantras and surrounding yourself with people who understand you know and sometimes the problem that that is preventing you from getting out of bed really isn't that difficult right? Like if you have someone to call and be like, let me just talk this out with you. And you're like, oh, okay, I can do it. Like, okay. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, like uh, on my old company, we used to just walk up to each other and be like, I don't want you to answer this right now. I just want you to listen. And I'm just going to talk for like five minutes. Yeah. And yeah, you just talk it out. And then usually the solution just kind of comes to you. Yeah. I have noticed that too. Um, like sometimes just talking, you kind of formulate your own thoughts. Hmm. And when you stop talking, they all kind of like congeal in your brain and like it's overwhelming because they're not like in a, they're not processed. And sometimes just the act of talking it out, like you solve your own problem, you know? Definitely. Yeah. And then, um, so when would you recommend somebody pick up a CRM in their business? And would you call it like a smart investment when you just get started? 
I definitely think that, um, well, so there's lots of different CRMs that you can choose from. I think left main makes the most sense for people who are marketing and have, you know, have leads coming in because it becomes so critical to, to monetize them. I think while you're, if you're, when you're brand spanking new and you're not, you know, like you're just driving for dollars and stuff and you're trying to put stuff together. I mean, you can get quite a distance with like a spreadsheet or like a free tool, but I do think once you're spending money on your business, you need to have a CRM. Like then it becomes an extremely, extremely profitable decision to do that because you'll, you're just going to save so much money, but without, with, with, with preventing lost opportunity. And then you're going to monetize better because the system like encourages you to do so. Like it's like a moving stream. Like you kind of have to do the things, you know? So I definitely think it's, it makes sense for people who are marketing and probably they've done maybe a deal. Just give, I have to probably have done a deal to like have money to reinvest, you know, it, I guess it depends on where you're at, but I definitely think marketing is important. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so everything you've built with, with all these different businesses and, and where, uh, where do you see left main going? We're going worldwide, baby. Awesome. Canada's next. We'll go to Canada next year. Um, and uh, we actually only have, we already have a couple people in Canada, but we'll go, we'll go like officially launch there. And then and there's actually quite a big real estate investment community in South Africa and Europe, believe it or not, like doing exactly what we do. So, and they have nothing. So we're, we're going to grow this and we're going to get it more and more integrated um, into that platform with these, with these cool things that we're bringing in. But this is, uh, this is here to stay for sure. Awesome. I love it. Uh, so what can our listeners and our students do to help support you? Oh, goodness. I was anticipating that question. Eat problems for breakfast. Don't give up. You know, reach out, use each other, lean lean on each other. And you, know, you guys can, I'll, I'm, I think I'm in the group now. You guys can always ping me. But I think that's the best thing that, that, that you can do to support me is to, is to, do it. Just actually go do it. You know, that I get so much personal joy from seeing people win and seeing people grow. They're like, that's literally the best thing you could, you could do. Awesome. Um, and what would be the best way, you know, if someone wanted to reach out to you or learn more about what you're doing and what you're offering, how would they reach out to you? Oh, sure. You can email me, um, Stephanie at leftmainrei.com, or you can um, ping me in the Facebook group. I'll be there. Um, our website is leftmainrei.co or .com. Both will get you where, I, where you need to go, but um, or you can check out our website there. You can contact me there. You can book a demo. Um, if you want to check out what, what that's all about, but I'm out there on social. I think, feel like I interact mostly on, on social media, you know, can't help it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, so what would, if you had to pick one thing um, that you hope that people would remember and take away from this conversation, what would that be? One thing, systems really are the way to succeed. It doesn't take a very complex system initially to succeed, but a system that keeps you consistent and keeps you on top of what you're spending money on and helps you make decisions is probably the best thing you can do to, to transition from being a hobby to a business. You have to have a system and that, that's kind of besides just a CRM, right? Like a system to answering your phone, a system to starting your day, right? Like you have to get yourself in a position where you do a repeatable action and 
and then grow it to a point where you can delegate it. That is when you know that you own a business or that you're a business operator is when you have predictable actions like that and defined a defined process, a defined system. So I wanna encourage people to start putting that framework together or if you have a system, start figuring out how you can build it out and where you can delegate and where you can fit, where you can bring somebody in that would maybe better at a part of your system than you are. The idea is, is to put people in your system, in your organization that you're building that are better at the task or better at that concept than you. And the only way you really figure that out is by first mapping out your whole process and your whole system and then building it from there. So it's, you know, start with little things like just your day, like what daily action you need to have and how you, how you do things, start documenting it. And, and you'll notice that just with that consistency, like a, a year is a huge difference in like how that builds and like how your brain then gets kind of programmed to, to think about the business, you know? Absolutely. Awesome. Well, uh, Stephanie, I want to thank you for being on here and sharing your stories and your lessons. I, I know we're all better for it. So I'm super grateful for you. Um, and everyone else, thank you for listening. Um, if you got value out of this, then please like, subscribe, comment, share with your friends. Um, and I also want to make sure that you grow from this. So just pick one thing from today and take action on it right now. As soon as you're done listening, listening, just go do one thing to move in that right direction. Make that call, schedule that meeting, just do something. The only way you're going to grow is by taking action. So go out there and take action. Signing off, this is Dan Bro, along with my co-host, Matt Bruner, with Real Estate Heroes.